0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. And I almost forgot, Jay?
1: Sponsored by?
0: Sponsored by HypeBot.com. You'd think I'd have that down. I've got a big sign in front of me. I really do. It's right up here, but you know, if you're not looking at it, it's out of sight, out of mind. So anyway, yeah. head over to HypeBot.com. For all your music industry news and and information and marketing tips and everything, they're the best. Absolutely. Um, So we were off last week, Jay. I was down in L.A. working with one of my clients, so we're back this week. Um, we got a special guest joining us.
1: You were you were away in LA and I went off to Minnesota to see our beloved Vikings win their season opener. That was pretty cool. Don't don't get yeah. all
0: don't get all cocky though cuz one No, I'm not.
1: They play the Steelers this week. We we know but, they can but,
0: they they can give up this season really quickly.
1: How can you say that? <laughs> anyway, today we have a very special guest. We have Ed Meehan. He's the CEO of Wonderful Union. And if you haven't heard of Wonderful Union, head on over to their website. They do a lot of great digital marketing things, everything from fan clubs, e-commerce, and something that's near and dear to our hearts, and we'd love to kind of talk to you a little bit more about, kind of the VIP experiences. Ed, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me today. You bet. Excellent. You bet. So, so first of all, Wonderful Union, that's a great band name. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's funny. We, I like we, their early stuff.
1: <laughs> well when we actually
2: started the company for the first i want to say six or seven years of the company were known as ground control ground ctrl ah,
0: okay and i know ground control i've actually worked with ground control in the past
2: yeah we started off back in the mid to late 2000s doing websites and that you know then progressed into fan clubs which progressed into merchandise which progressed into vips and so on and so forth but yeah there was a, um, a talent agency and we um so we had settled and we Came up with a new name and yeah, we rebranded ourselves about mm, three years ago.
0: Okay, yeah, I was um, boy, it was an old client of mine, Andy Gibson, a, a oh country, yeah, Andy, a, a country artist that uh, had his website set up with you guys.
2: I had worked with Andy through, I believe I met him through Mark over with the Martina McBride camp.
0: Okay, yeah,
2: I think that, or no, maybe it was Delmore. I don't know.
0: Yeah, Del lots of concert, it was Del, it, yeah, yes,
2: yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah. very yeah. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah so years ago. Yeah, a long time been uh, been you know been strapped and been doing it ever since. So, All right, great. same face.
1: And I had heard about you through a mutual friend, um, Cameo Carlson. Um, I
2: love Cameo. She's 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 the boss.
1: Yeah, Hands and uh, I was looking to her for some guidance, and uh, she had brought your name up, and and we had reached out and connected about something. But tell us a little bit about Wonderful Union and and. Kind of how you guys got started and and what you feel like uh, your your growth trajectory is.
2: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we started the company in about two thousand six, two thousand seven, out of um, it was essentially we were a web company. I, I had a former partner, and we were a company called Buck Wild. And we did a lot of websites, and we had started with, um, you know, local landscaping and restaurants. But at the same time, I had played in bands, and um, he had reached. You know, we had luckily, longs. You know, keeping it moving forward, we had landed a, um, a deal with a major label out of New York, and uh, just on doing great work. We had done all of those. Remember the flash websites with? Um, yeah. yeah, that just didn't do anything, but they're really expensive. And yep. so we were you know, doing a lot of those back in the day, and. Um, you know, it must have been in 2006, 2007. You know, the budgets went from us doing these green screen video shoots and animation and action script, and you know, we had a little content management system we built so the labels could get in and update them. And this was before they had what they then called new media <clears throat> departments. Um, and, and it was going along great, and then MySpace came up, and we're like, "What the heck is this?" Like, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the label's like, "Oh, we only have you know twenty five hundred dollars. We want you to just get a MySpace page." And so my business partner Greg and I. Uh, he had this idea to do this little like, kind of a, a, a social network around the artists, replacing their website, and because we were building things, so we started. We, you know, beer Fridays. We started, you know, drinking beers and working on it. And we, one of our partners is a developer, and we, we built this platform. And um, you know, then I, it's like, well, how do you monetize it? You know, banner ads aren't going to work. It's, you know, it's, it's it's what do we do? So we had this community. There were companies around the same time. Uh, Music today, Ultra Star, Echo, that were out doing these these uh, fan clubs. And I'm like, I've never been in a fan club. I don't know what we do here. And you know, so um, uh, that same exact time, I had a client that we, I was working with the Backstreet Boys, and um, which had some notoriety and, and, and some fans. And they came to me and they're like, Hey, we want you know, we want you to do our fan club. And it's like, well, Oh, cool. Here's this platform. It's like, Oh, this all makes sense. Why don't we charge access to this? And you know. We got the fan club and it's like well okay guys you're the fan club you have to sell tickets they're like oh what do we do okay we start selling tickets this way we built a commerce platform that turned into subscriptions um then from subscriptions to ticketing to uh, merchandise downloads and we built it all proprietary from the ground up because that's what we did in the you know beginning we built things um and you know move forward now it's uh been over 10 years and we've probably got close to 100 fan clubs active um, another maybe 150 200 websites because we still build the websites and when you take all the pieces together I, I believe that we're the only company that, that, that kind of does multiple multiple items you know there are the VIP companies and there are the website companies and there are the marketing companies but you know when you have we went from the website to the fan club and then from the fan club you, we had ticketing and merchandise that had to go into it and I remember you know having a conversation with with. Um, Backstreet's manager, uh, Jen, and we are discussing, you know, yeah. she sent me this link to, I think, I want to say it was Velvet Revolver was doing like this how, uh, New Year's 2007 party where you could pay to meet the band. It's like, why don't we do that? Like that's, you know, we didn't come up with it, but there wasn't very many people doing it back in that time. You know, a lot of, the, and I come from the rock world. So it was always perceived as corny, cheesy. Why would you charge your fans to meet you? You know, why would you charge for this experience? It's like let them buy the record, let them buy a concert ticket, and deal with it. Maybe they get a T-shirt. You know, and we went up with it with with um, Backstreet Boys, and we sold we sold out of it like immediately. You know, 100, 200 people a night, and then we started creating more packages. And then you know, I spent the next four or five years pitching other artists, um, getting them on board. Another early artist that I worked with, <clears throat> my business partner and I, <clears throat> sorry, lose my voice here. Um, from Sacramento, was a band called Papa Roach. Another band, sure, yeah. so being that we're um, very close to both of those bands, we were able to, you know, convince them like, hey, just try it out. If you don't like it, then we won't do it again. Like, what's the, you know, no, no, no harm, no foul. And you know, once we started rolling them out more and more artists see it, saw it, we're able to show proof of, um, you know. A, a proof of the concept. Sure, that it works. Everybody, got, <clears throat> everybody loves music, but everybody also likes to get paid. And then the
1: fans have a good time and you start seeing the people coming back and back and back again. Well, let me ask you about that. Let me mm-hmm. stop you just for a second. So if you're setting up a VIP experience, whether it's any of those bands or any band, mm-hmm. what what is your role? Do you actually set it up, start to finish, and do all the logistics, and then have somebody there on the road with them to actually conduct it? Or what, what is your role in setting up those VIP experiences?
2: So it, it depends on the artist. So like we range in our um, you know, the the demographics of our, our talent range from small upcoming artists that would be um, artists who might be opening on another act or maybe they're in large club level where we supply um, two areas. One would be maybe we sell it on Ticketmaster where the preferred vendor is for the venue or maybe we sell it D2C as upgrades or with mean, a ticket bundle. However, the commerce, the fan buys it and then we're able to um, sell it. A small artist, we'll, we'll, we'll transact it. We'll do the customer support. We do all the communication to the fans. We design the laminates, the credentials, the merchandise if they need that done or we order Got it. And then we have the tour manager or production person out on tour facilitated because it's, you know, it's a one bus tour and, yeah. you, you know, you wouldn't even do throw another hotel. Room. You have to keep the cost down. Um, and then all the way up to, you know, we just um, had, we just came off the Justin Bieber world tour where we had, um, I want to say, two people on tour plus another eight eight reps out every day that were assisting and we're, you know, processing over 3,000 packages a day on some events where, um, you know, it, it really depends on the on the on the experience and what we're providing up there for the artist. There's also some tours where we had you know Drake's tour last summer, which was the biggest tour in North America. Um, we did all the fulfillment via our warehouse. So um, you know, you bought a front row ticket in the first ten rows, or whatever, you got and you got a big box of merchandise. And you know that offset the value of the ticket because you were looking on secondary markets for Drake tickets and to get in a front row, it's six to eight hundred bucks. So our packages were 6800 bucks, maintaining the value for, for Drake and his management um, and keeping it out of the, the hands of the, the scalpers. You know, and, and for him, he didn't really it didn't make sense to do meet and greets. Some artists love it, you know. Right. It's not for, for everyone. everyone. And it, it's not for everyone. And you, you know, there are some, there's there's several different companies out there that we quote unquote compete with. I don't really feel like it's competition because I'm friendly with most of them. And you know, there's there's um, a good friend of mine, Dan, who runs CID. Um, you know, he's got the festivals and he's got the jam band circuit and you've got me who I'm like the pop guy and, and, and then you've got, you know, other people out there who are doing smaller tours and packages and each of us have a different, um, approach. A lot of my stuff is a little weirder. You know, I've done haircut VIP packages where you get your haircut, like the artist while they're doing a meet and greet over there. Well, um, Ed, Ed,
0: Ed, let, let, me, let me ask <laughs> you, that's, that's sort of that's where awesome. I wanted to go with this. So, um, you know, my history goes back to um, 2003. I was working for a company here in San Francisco, Signatures Network, which you're probably. Oh, yeah, Del, the, yeah Del, Del Ferrano. Del Ferrano, Sure. Um, and, you know, I was running the whole um, KISS world at that time. And we started the VIP program for KISS back in 2003. Um Nobody was doing uh, VIPs so, before oh, yeah, then. Kiss, is, kiss is definitely uh, a kiss, trend. Kiss, that kiss, kiss broke the ground with, with, with that, where we were like, all right, let's do the the $1,000, meet the band. You know, base, Basically, I was a Kiss fan, and, and management said, Mike, we can hold tickets. What do you want to do with them? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. We've never sold <laughs> tickets online. Sort of like you. You're like, really? What should we do with this stuff? So I sat down, yeah. and just as a fan, I put together a package that I thought a fan would buy. And it ended up being that initial $1,000 package, which, you know, that template then, I mean, Signatures Network duplicated it, and everybody started duplicating the front row ticket, meet the band, get a photo, some merch, some tchotchkes, and that was it. Back then, that was the basic VIP programs. How has, from 2003 to 2017, where have these VIP programs gone since then because obviously you know the challenge to you or any marketing person is well all right i sold you that package a year ago but i want you to buy it again next to her. how right. do you one up what you did because in my you know it's it's crazy to say this in 2017 but just meeting the artist is no big deal anymore Right. <laughs> it's no big deal. 20, 2003, that was a huge deal to go backstage and meet any yeah. artist. 2017, you can pick any artist and you got the right amount of money and you can go meet them somewhere. So 100%. how how do you keep it fresh and exciting?
2: You know, there's there's at the base there's that's still a big part of the package there's there's a there's a psychology uh, almost it's not almost it's addictive to some extent for a lot of people to constantly meet and see yeah. again and again that part of it what we're talking about for the 2003 to 2010 version of the VIP package you know what we've been able to do in, in, in and to some extent what we we focus a lot on is we do a lot of the weird type packages where like i was going to get into um, you know with GEZ doing the haircut you know, you get your haircut like G-E-E-Z and 10 people a day, and his barber comes in, and there's a barber chair, and, like, in the other side of the room, he's doing a meet-and-greet and there's music playing loud, so you kind of turn it into, like, this barber shop. Or, you know, I had Rob Thomas out last summer, we did this hologram where essentially, you know, after the event, like, you, you, there's a party room, and you have to – there's, like, a karaoke hologram that you can share with friends and family. Outside of that, then it becomes, like, okay, what's the next level of – how do you elevate the experience, you know? There's obviously all the tchotchkes of like parking and merchandise and all that stuff that's been done for years, but that's become relatively normal. Um, we've seen a lot of experience, a lot of um, a lot of success in events like cruises and destination events, where you know now it's not just a night and evening out; it's a whole weekend, and you're immersed for you know 72 hours on a boat, you know, with your favorite artist. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, Kiss has done that as well, you know, the Kiss Cruise. Um, but it's like, how do you – the big the big hurdle is scalability on this. Like, when you look at the music business, you see companies like Spotify and Apple focusing on 100% of the market. Well, our real marketplace on the superfan is probably a 5% of that market is, right. the, um, is really our target. And of that 5%, you're going to break it down to maybe, um, you know, 4.5% of it um, are the real, real superfans. Um, you know, maybe about 3.5%, um, maybe, you know, half a percent of that are, is corporations and institutions purchasing the, the the experiences. And the other, other 1% or so are the extremely wealthy people who just expect that stuff, you know. Um, so it, it comes down to, it has to, you have to continue with it. And then, so that's the, that's the fan side of it. Then you also have the artist side of it. So what does the artist want to do? Do you want to change it every time? Not really. It becomes routine. What does an artist do? They, they, maybe they stay up late. They get to the venue. They want to do the same thing over and over again. They want to meet the fans and then they want to go to catering and eat, go play the show, get out of there, you know? Um, so you have to kind of cut, you have to maintain the expectation of what the artist wants to do and the flow so they're comfortable with it so they don't feel – and speaking for a majority of the artists, they don't really want to overwork. So well, I was
0: just going to say the, the, I, I remember the biggest hurdle we had was no artist wanted to do any additional work. Yeah, they, of they were already out on the road. They already had their schedule for the entire day. And if you were going to sit down and say, well, we only need an additional hour of your time every day, they're like, what?
1: You want
0: something brand new for one hour. So even the initial meet and greets back in the early 2000s was a tough sell because it was like, well, wait a second, we're asking you to do a meet and greet now. Well, I've never done them before, or I I did them very rarely. So it was always a challenge of what, you know, and and I think we all know this is a fair statement. If you're going to ask an artist for more time, what are you going to pay them for their time? That exactly. becomes the challenge yeah, and the it, balance yeah. of, I need more th- time. Can I generate the money to make it worth it for the artist? And is it too much money that the fans can't afford it anymore? I mean, is, it, is does there become a tipping point where it's like, well, oh, this is just way too expensive?
2: Yeah, 100%. Some other things we've started to do with the art, and there are the few artists who actually like to work. Because they're out there and there's there's two belief systems and, and you can we can debate this here and, and see if we're on the same page, but the younger artists who are like skyrocketing up, they feel like it's never gonna fall the the floor will never fall under their feet, you know. Um, they don't need to do all this stuff. I got my boys, I'm gonna go hang out, I got friends, I'm gonna do this, whatever. I'd rather go shopping. When you get a little bit more seasoned and you know, you're still in arenas, but like you're out there to work. Cause you're gonna go home and you're gonna sit around and not doing anything. Well, it's so.
0: it, it, it's it's not even that. It's you're out there working because you got to work because that's paying your freaking mortgage. Yeah, you've got kids and a wife. You've got maybe colleges could- to pay for. That. Yeah. So that's why you're actually doing. It. I mean, you know, I I I joke all the time. It's the it's the the sticks, the R.E.O. speed wagons, the cheap tricks of the world who bust their butt touring every summer, but they're doing that because they got expenses to pay they got they got lives to take care of maintain that lifestyle they, yeah they got to maintain it so it's that's their job those yeah are the, those are the bands that are almost prime to want to do stuff
2: yeah 100 and so that puts you into like okay well let's go ahead and create five different packages of different experiences and maybe one of those packages include a front row ticket they include the you know the valley parking the pre-show meet and greet um catering in the back Um, maybe the after show party, um, you know, like all, like a whole, a whole package that includes everything. And when you have the artist who wants to be involved, it's easier to do those type of things. Now, moving forward, we're, we're experimenting with different types of things where, you know, you throw 12 super fans on a, on a, on a bus and it goes from, you know, you get tickets for both shows, you get your own dressing room, you know, you're for the 12 people you get, uh, you're on tour. Like that's something that hasn't been done yet, and I'm tempted the, I, was just,
0: I was gonna bring that up with you because back in 2005 or so, and I can't even remember the name of the company. There was a company that pitched me when I was working with Kiss about that. About yeah. we'll get a tour bus, and we'll put 20 Kiss mm-hmm. fans on a tour bus, and they'll just drive along with the Kiss tour. And get tickets for two shows, and they'll you know do the meet. They'll, they'll do all of that, but you're part of the road crew, basically. Right, right. And, right. I, and I know back then the challenge was um, all of the costs. Yeah, the costs are there. Um, but it's a, it's, have, a li- it's it's a it's a lot more expensive package, and and you can't that as you talked about earlier, scaling. It's hard to scale that because you can only put x amount of people in a tour bus.
2: Yeah. yeah. So you put, you can put the 12 people, 11 people plus a rep on the tour bus. Um, and if we get to the point of a certain sell through, then you add another bus. When you add another bus. And you could have 25 buses out there if you sell it out properly. It yeah. sounds crazy yeah. and an undertaking, but I do have an artist that I'm working on it with where I think those type of things, it's lifestyle. Yeah, and you have to sell out the whole tour. Now you're not going to get. It's not going to be one bus. You're you're on the whole tour. You know, it's it's sectioned off, and you know, there'll be hotel rooms. And it's definitely something for. You have to have, and that's where you know, having multiple years of data, spending habits, um, knowing the people who are buying on the cruises, knowing the people who are buying the tickets, knowing the people who you know, um, that have my cell phone number who pay for the presidential suite on the cruise, who, um, fly to you know seven different countries on a tour. Like those are the people. I can super fans, super fans, and and a big part of my business, and my team, you know, um, is are knowing these people and like you know, there's there's definitely with any kind of business when you call into American Express and you have the black card, you get a different type of treatment. Sure. You have the green card, yeah, and yeah. it's 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 knowing, it's also using the data and and being able to um, predict spending habits. And yeah, then we maybe we only do a sixty percent sell through on that, but that's still sixty percent, and it's. We you have to keep trying things because right. back in the day when we were talking about selling a meet and greet, everybody goes like crazy. It's cheesy. It's stupid. No, there was a credibility in that. Okay, well everybody took a chance. We did it and it worked. You know, you know so it's growing.
1: Yeah, and sometimes let me you know, Ed, let me ask you this: Are there Are there artists, like we we heard about the Guns N' Roses thing a while back, are there artists that do these experiences where the artists aren't involved, where you're going around, like KISS has a thing where you can go to the different, you know, where the stations are, you know, where the guitar techs and the bass tech and the drum tech and have a tour of that, are there experiences where the artists don't necessarily get involved?
2: Yeah, all the time, in a couple of ways, one obviously uh, ticket bundles and whatnot, but um, on the Justin Bieber tour, we, um, had canceled all the meet and greets early in the run and, and we did, um, we had like what backstage tour, um, you know, like a little museum setup. Yeah. like just like a vibe out area where you can get, um, you can get the, the fans close to it. I always, I wanted to do, um, and this is, again, I'm spitting out all my ideas here. So, um, have you seen those like robots with an iPad on them? Oh yeah. 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 And, like, you can have the artist in the other room talk to everybody, but they're in a robot, and they don't. I, I would think that would be, like, <laughs> weird, like, AI-type stuff. Um, but, yeah, I've done them where a lot, of, a lot of times the artist is not involved. Maybe the artist is too big. Um, not too big to do it, but it's just, like, their time is in such demand. Have, and, have,
0: have you ever had an artist who wanted to do a VIP program, but after you talked to them and determined their commitment, their involvement, you said, you know what? You really shouldn't be doing this. You just, it's, we can't put together a good package for you. It's going to be a really tough experience. No, I, have had,
2: I've had cases where people just, the artist is, yeah, the artist is too aggressive on what they want to do and we have to tone it down because, um, it's just not realistic. And we know that sometimes working with artists doesn't mean everything is, is, is based in reality. um, but at the same time, there's never been a – like, there is the financial part of it, and there is the fan experience part of it that's exciting. But it's also a really important part of, like, marketing for the artists. Like, I, one of my first experiences – and I, I have um, – I still have the 8x10 um, in my, my home office at home uh, – was my friend Eric and I were sitting out in front of um, Henry J. Kaiser, which I don't think is around anymore, back in 1991, outside of a Slayer and Public Enemy concert. And uh, I think Anthrax was on that too, and uh, and we were sitting out there waiting for like his dad to pick us up or something. I can't fully remember because I don't know it was in the '90s and <laughs> it's at a Slayer concert. Uh, but I remember you know the, the somebody coming out the bus and calling us in and brought us up on the bus and we met the artist. Just and that was very casual, and that that experience like for years I always remembered, you know, I don't remember, I've been to thousands of concerts and I just remember, and I still have that eight by 10 and I, and I've told, you know, probably a hundred people that story of just how cool they were. And it, and it, it looked good for the artist. You know, I was able to engage with somebody that I had listened to and used as an escape in my day to day, you know, listening to music and driving or whatever I do now in life. But, um, so there's that part of it as well. And we can usually find something, whether it's, you know, I've had artists where, you know, Um, you get a drum lesson before the show or like, uh, you know, doing stuff with Fleetwood Mac and Mick Fleetwood bringing up all the fans on stage, taking a photo behind his big drum set and like him telling stories of the glory days of the seventies and eighties or, um, doing VIP packages where, you know, you go on the tour bus, with you know, 10 of you and you play video games with the singer. Um, like those type of, if you can create, maybe it's only 10 people and maybe, yeah, it's a thousand dollars a pop. Or it, it, it comes down. You have to know the fan base. You have to know, you know, a fan base right, right, of somebody who's eighteen to twenty five has much less disposable okay. income than a fan base who's you know forty five to sixty. We are just simple. So as they age up, the things get more expensive. You can add more and bring the peop- uh, amount of people down. Uh, so there's always something you can come up with. That if if I can sit in front of the artists and get to know them just over an hour or two, you know, mm-hmm. I can usually come up with something. That's creative, and that excites them. It's finding, you know, maybe it's doing a show, and then after the show, we don't throw an after party. We go to, like, a lounge that has a piano, and it's all sit-down only, and, you know, there's 80 people enter, and, you know, everybody gets cocktails, and the person plays on the piano. It's just coming up with these experiences that last a lifetime. It sounds cheesy as hell, but... Um, really, that always brings me back to like when I was a kid, and when you know, I see you have the Tower Records thing behind you up there, like you hang out in front of Tower Records and listen to music for hours yeah. on end. Like if you forget that and you don't, you don't hold that, and you focus solely on monetization and scalability, then you lose that that passion part of it. Which I, I don't, it sounds like i it, bullshit when I say it, but no, it's, no, no but, but, but it, it,
0: you know, I mean that goes right back to the very first. When I first did the first kiss package, you have to create a package that has true value to the fan. Right. It, it's easy to create packages that ROI and all that stuff makes great sense, but it's not a value to the fan. The fan goes, well, "There's nothing exciting about this. It, it there's, it's not what I want." And and I've seen. And I'm sure you've seen it. You've we've we've all seen companies create these packages where you look at it and go. Why in the hell would anybody spend any money for that package? There's nothing exciting about that.
2: Sometimes you can't argue the manager or the artist because, you know, believe it or not, there's some managers out there who, I mean, okay, I have sold um, probably in the last 10 years half a a million packages realistically around the world, Um, but there's a manager out there who's got an artist who knows better, and it's like, well, okay, (laughs) okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, like, I do know that, you know, going into Germany, Austria, Switzerland, it's a 70% physical market. They like physical goods, but don't do the same package in Sweden because it's an 8% physical market. Like, what type of facts, what type of data, what experience? Well, so that, that, right. that, that,
0: that, <laughs> that statement there gets back to my question. Have you had an artist or a manager who's, who's said, I know better, where you've said, I can't do that package. That won't work. We can't do that.
2: I guess, yes, your answer is, yeah, we've said that's that's dumb. Or we go ahead and do it and say, like, the, everybody in the office is like, this is – why are we doing it? It's like, well – It's going to blow up, but we'll, we'll do it anyway. We'll do it anyway and, like, let's, you know – we Learn need, from
1: it. Yeah,
2: yeah. let's go ahead and, and hopefully prove a point, um, create trust. And, you know, the next tour, it's like, listen, let us sit down with the tour planning and where the seats are. And let, let us just actually – believe it or not, let's look at it like a business and let's look at it with, like – you look know, at the data. Look at what yeah. we have. And look at what who the fans are. and Look at like what type of rooms we're playing and like you know I know you want to make this much money, but
1: you can't. You know, are it's are what, you ever surprised at the number of people that come back year after year after year after year to these because they love the the fan you know the fans love the artists so much that it doesn't matter they're going to be there. I see this with a couple of artists that I work with where it's the same basic group of people. Yeah. And they oh, yeah. go to every, almost every show that they can get to, and then they they buy these packages as well it It really surprises me that you know over and over and over again they'll they'll continue to do this throughout time
2: and there's different levels too i mean there's like this like severe where it's like <laughs> like you don't like yeah it's it's extreme, and then they're like the the casual person where it's like you know. Uh, maybe are somebody that you do business with at completely removed from that. They find out you work with them and they're like, Oh, I've been to 15 different shows and I'm doing, it. and it's like, you just totally change. I'm like, I don't know what category to put you in. Like in this, you know, um, and it, it does, it's, I, it's exciting and it, you know, it, it, and I like to talk to those people and find out why, why they do it. And I like to be around them and I like to, um, you know, what, what could we do better? What type of, you know? What, yeah. what type of things will
1: excite them and what type of things will make them. Um, right. And to be fair, this doesn't mean they're nuts. There's some of these people that are perfectly rational, great people that just have a passion for an artist. And yeah. I, I love talking to those people as well.
2: And know, there are uh, some that are nuts, but there are some that it's like it's like an artist, like a, like a painter, or like going to the museum, or like a foodie who loves certain kinds of restaurants. It's the same thing, and I respect it. But there are the two different types of of cheers. I,
0: I remember back in in two thousand three, repeat sales of the thousand dollar kiss package were something we never ever thought would happen. You know, yeah. we thought it was a one time, once in a lifetime opportunity, and. Um, quickly within the first couple weeks of the tour we started seeing repeat purchases and 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 where where we first started noticing it was the fan came to the first event got their photo with the band went and got their photo blown up poster size bought another package so they could come back and have the band autograph the photo yeah and, I've, and, I've then, been... and then we were like what's going on here we never really saw this then all of a sudden yeah okay the next tour next year 12 people bought it over again and they bought it for three different times during the course and we're like wow you know you've really hit on something when you can start seeing repeat purchasers at that that peak.
2: Mm -hmm. 100% and there's artists that I've worked with now for the whole run of my company where I just know I'll throw something up in most markets. I'll be like, we'll sell it in five minutes. Like let's raise it. Let's raise the price. Let's add a couple more things to it. And you know that like, it's a mixture of people who live in that territory, but you also know that there's going to be 50, 35 people who are going to, that are in Facebook groups in the fan club who, um, like have this lifestyle together, um, where they travel together. They have like, there's all this other side business that's going on where um, you know I, I it's funny because I still run fan clubs and that's part of my business but we did a deal recently with a travel partner where you know uh, with Priceline where essentially you sign up for a fan club and you get a special link that allows you to get Priceline hotels but you know where you're staying because it's a closed user group and like the amount of people who it's created this whole little community of people that travel and stay at the same hotels not even the same hotels as the artists staying at but like they've got their as own. A group. They, and it's, it's turned into a lifestyle of, um, of all like-minded people who have met through the fan clubs and then go out and do the VIP packages and travel the world and you know I'll see people who you know I've seen people in Israel, I've seen them in, 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 in Japan and South America. same people. you know and it's like and even to a point where I know they're going to go to these shows and I'm kind of looking for them to make sure they made it there. You know, it's, 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 it's very interesting in the repeat business. Yeah, it kind of took on a life of its own. I was there with you right when we were starting off. I'm like, 500 bucks? Like, yeah, you know, that's as many of these I've sold. I still feel like that's a lot of money. Oh,
0: and yeah. believe me, when we were selling for 1,000, we were like, yeah. that's, that's a hell of a lot of money. And I, I, I tell this story often. I remember when we put the first packages on sale, it, it was either going to be a, a great home run or yeah. it was going to be a massive failure. Because there, yeah. you know, we had no previous data to know. It was just all gut instinct of yeah. going. Well, okay, fans were spending seven hundred dollars to scalpers to buy a front row ticket, so yeah. we can guarantee them the ticket and X, Y, and Z. It should be worth a thousand dollars, but good lord, a thousand dollars is a shitload of money. It, it really sure is. is. It, it you <laughs> know, but but you know, and you talked about the knowing the demographic. And this was something we stumbled on. You know, again, we had no no history, so we didn't know, but we knew quickly that the KISS demographic was ideal. It was a 40-, 50-, 60-year-old fan who controlled the credit card, who didn't have to get permission to spend the money, who had been waiting their entire life for this opportunity.
1: Yeah. Where at the same
0: the same year we did packages... With Jessica Simpson, and they were four hundred dollar packages, and it was at the height of her um, reality show and comeback, and it was like, hey, everything makes sense. She's all over the place. We couldn't sell them because we quickly realized the thirteen year old kid who wanted to go had to get mom's permission to spend four hundred dollars, and mom's going, yeah, she doesn't have a credit card. Four hundred dollars for you to go meet her.
2: No, hell no.
0: <laughs> the demand yeah. was the demand was there but the people who demanded it couldn't purchase it.
1: And it's almost that's double because they'd have to pay for the mom to take the child and you know it becomes even more.
2: 100%. And that's still part of like when we you know a lot of it is if it's interesting because on those type of packages with with younger artists, I always come in and I go like, okay, what's your what's your face value of your ticket? You know, the promoter in the market knows. So let's go ahead and you know t- let's triple that maybe. Like let's do a seventy five dollar package. Let's make something. You have to you have to adapt to. Got to you know, know your audience, right? Yeah, there's clients out there where you know I think on the Bieber tour I want to say it was maybe like twenty five hundred dollar packages we we're doing in that area. I keep looking over here because Adam, who's in the room with me, was on the tour. But I think it was I want to say twenty five hundred bucks thousand bucks thousand ish for you know and there's no meat ingredients it's a pit ticket and some other set things which is on a global stadium tour um worked out you know and but that's a rarity most cases you want to keep the price that's affordable to the fan base and i would much rather sell it out than sell five because then you also play into the ego of the artist you know and um there's lots of factors and a lot of it comes from your gut
0: yeah. yeah, 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 and and you know, and to to your point, you've now got years of data that that can pretty much tell you well, other artists in your genre and your style, this is what's worked, this wasn't what doesn't work. These are the prices we can hit. Um, you know, before that data was out there, it was it was literally all just gut instinct of, gee, could we get four hundred or can we get seven hundred? We don't know. Yeah. Let's roll the dice. And that's still going back to like how we started this this
2: piece of the segment, is you have those those people out there who don't want to listen to the data and the information, and the knowledge, and the like. You know, I, I know what a good website looks like. I kind of understand how the VIP is, how you want to price it, and what you want to offer, and the time, and um, you know, it's it's some people. It's always learning. You, you, a lot of times, we're teaching people.
0: Sure. uh, You know, this is—I love this discussion—but we we do have to wrap up. So I I got one question, though. So we've talked about all of this, and it's really been in relation to bigger artists that have already been somewhat established. How Mm -hmm. can how can a a new up and coming artist put together a VIP program when? you know, they really don't have a lot to offer yet. It could be their very first tour. They've got a very small fan base. Well, you know, uh, clearly they're not going to get $500 for a VIP Absolutely. package. What can they do?
2: There's there's different ranges. So, like, going back to, I'm just using the same examples over and over again from many clients that we've worked with, um, having uh, Easy out. When I first started working with him, and he's got a, a, an amazing management team around him that I'm very close with, um, you know, they came to me and they're like, "Hey, we're playing small 200-seat rooms." And it's like, well, he was at that point we put him up and we sold 20 packages a day, 75 bucks or 50 bucks a piece. And it did two things. One, it, it trained the artist and it trained the fan. You know, he became used to having this meet and greet element that took place every day before the show, and fans learned that he was um uh, approachable and, and meeting him was something that wasn't, you know, it wasn't foreign. And so it, it was, again, back to the marketing and, and allowing fans. You know, that 20 then turned into 40, 60, 80. Now we do 200 people a night, and he's doing amphitheaters, 20,000 people. And we scaled it up through that. So even smaller artists who are doing 200, 400-seat rooms on their first tour, you know, whether you're somebody like a, a, a you know Nash or Black Bear or like Hoodie Allen, like artists from theaters, you know, more size to Down, like you can still – you know your fan base. You know the people that, even if it's small, you know who's out there. And the artist, hopefully, and the manager, if it's you know the right person managing them, knows like okay for you know thirty maybe it's a thirty-five dollar package. It's you have to grow the business. Thirty-five bucks extra times twenty-five is going to pay for you know maybe food on the after-show food like yep. and it's going to give the artist, you know, you maybe throw on a t-shirt and you come out and you play a couple songs and then you just take a photo with everybody. And so you're creating it's a very limited simple experience but it's intimate as hell. And right. if your career does, you know, take off, that's something that people will remember forever. Yep. Um so you're creating something a memory that hopefully lasts a lifetime and you're making a little bit extra money, you know? Maybe right. it's only a thousand bucks a night. But like I know, you know, I used to play music and like Thousand bucks a night on a club tour—it's a lot of money.
0: It, it you know, it, we, we joke, but it can be the difference between staying in a hotel or sleeping in the van. hundred Yeah, I mean, you make a thousand bucks a night in meet and greets. You're gonna,
2: you, may, you can probably get a couple hotel. rooms. Right. Right. That changes your life. So yeah, you, you can't be like, oh, you know, uh, you know, Ricky Martin's charging five thousand bucks here. How can I do a VIP package? It's like, well, okay, he's Ricky Martin. Like you, you have to like put yourself into reality and be like okay for my businesses you know and i'm not ordering you know a whole uh tractor trailer full of t-shirts i'm only doing a few boxes because that's what i'm going to sell it's the same thing you want to think you want to merchandise yourself and you want to market yourself appropriately
0: yeah yeah good you know we
2: help those artists as well like with you know if it's like because doing customer support and building it out and sell like that stuff is pain and so there are companies like us that will work with smaller artists that um we can set up and send them the list, and they can deal with it. On the side.
0: So, so Ed, how can how can people reach out to you if they if they want to talk to you about potential business or they've got some questions? How can they reach out? Uh, yeah, um, anybody can
2: always reach out to me directly. Um, my you know my email address is just eddie at wonderfulunion com, or you can go to the website wonderfulunion com. Um, there's a little form on there, um, with, that you fill out. And um, depending on where you're listening, wonderfulunion.de is our German site for the people in Germany. Or I'm here in Toronto working out of our Toronto office today. Um, so we are we're set up globally as well. So um,
0: yeah. this is aw- this is awesome. I you know I I I'm a big fan of VIP programs. I just you know it's it's all about finding more revenue streams as as the music sales start dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. Yeah, And VIP packages are solid, proven revenue streams. And if you do them right, they can be a huge success.
2: Yeah, 100%. And and you have to keep changing them, like you said. Oh, yeah, you've got to keep it fresh. It's not 2003, 2005, two, the same things. It's hard. It's challenging to find that new thing. But every now and then, you know, hopefully yeah. we hit something. Yeah, every now and then,
0: you can't be afraid to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. All right, Ed, thank you so much, man. Thanks so
1: much, Ed. Appreciate
0: Take it. Time. Take care. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Again, I always love talking about VIP programs. Yeah. It's just it's a fun conversation. It's a legit business, and I think every, is, and everybody's got to look at like it. it. It's Yeah, it's not yeah. uncool. It's not – your fans are not – Actually, I think your fans are going to think something about you if you don't offer them at this
1: now, point Oh, Now, yeah, and I think the only thing I would add to the discussion is let's not forget that when that dozen fans goes backstage or has their picture taken or sees a, an acoustic set or gets something, they're going to post that on their socials, and then their friends are going to see it, and more people are going to see it. It's, it's kind of a win-win.
0: These are the fans doing these packages are your most influential fans. So yeah. if they love it, best they're best going best to tell everybody else how great it is, and that's going to sell great. more packages. Keep in mind, if they hate it because you didn't do a great job with your package, they're also going to say that. So make sure right. you do it right. Do it
1: right. <laughs> so that's it, guys. Music business right.
0: podcast brought to you by HypeBot. We're out of here till next week.